Well, there is no certainty in anything other than there's no certainty in the outcome. There's only certainty in the intent or certainty in the um, in the action that you take. You can be certain and confident in the direction you're going or be intent on going in a certain direction, but there's no confidence in what the outcome will be. But that's where that's where a little bit of faith comes in and a little bit of um, just accepting that you, you can't control all the variables. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I can tell you, you're in for a treat today. You have the pleasure of hearing from my man down in Dallas. Well, I guess he's outside of Dallas, but I'll call it Dallas. Chris Jarvis. How are you, man? I'm doing well, Jerome. How are you? Uh, I'm going to be doing better because this here, we're going to dig into some real meaningful things for the listeners. They're used to us doing things a little unconventional here. We don't wait all the way till the end to let people know how to find out more about you. We do that in the front. So how can the listeners get in contact with you and learn more about what you got going on? Yeah, I think the easiest thing, uh, if you, if you Google Chris Jarvis and Ted talk, you'll find the most watched Ted talk in the world this year, surviving ain't thriving. So if you feel like you're surviving and you're not thriving, that's probably the quickest way to get 14 minutes of information. And if you want to, you know, supercharge your way through a 60 minute podcast and get to 14 minutes because you like to do things that fast. And I think the podcast is easy. Social media, Instagram, Chris Ray Jarvis. Um, you can find me at chrisjarvis.me. Any of those things. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. I'm everywhere. hiding in a bunch of places, much like a disease. I pop up and you'll find me. <laughs> so break this down for me. The most watched Ted talk in this the year? this year, in yeah. the world, not yeah, the country, not the state, the world, the world. Yeah. Ted talk was released in March. So I, I got a little behind. I gave up three months to everybody else. And I think I'm approaching two and a half, three million views in the last uh, six, seven months. How do you do that? You have to be good, man. You have to be good. Uh, it starts with how do you how do you get that? Um, I think the key, you know, some of it is marketing, but the thing about TED Talks is if you don't watch them for three minutes, the views don't count. So if you don't catch somebody's attention in three minutes on a YouTube video, then you got nothing. So and I speak a lot and do keynote speeches and strategy sessions and innovation workshops and podcasts and you know, the key is to draw people in quickly, which hopefully I'm not failing two minutes and 43 seconds into this one. But that's wow. uh, you know, the, the key is to hook people in really quickly. I do it when I'm coaching people on article writing or essay writing for colleges or their own email campaigns to their, you know, to their readers, listeners, viewers, audience, whatever it is that you've got to you have a very short amount of time in this world to get somebody's attention so that they can answer the question, why do I give a shit about what this guy has to say? I mean, that is every time I'm judging a business plan competition, it's why do I care at all 
about this. Break it down, bring it into me. And for your listeners, I've had thousands of people, millionaires, contact me and ask me to help them with their money, despite the fact that there are millions of people banging down their door. I've had five billionaire families approach me and hire me to help them solve problems. So I know how to handle and I'm a financial fixer who figures things out and I get, you know, people come to me. So somewhere in there, you've got to be able to figure out how to differentiate yourself, how to connect, what do rich people do with their money? How do people become super successful? Like those are the big questions that I usually get asked to answer when I'm on stage. Like, all right, you've worked with all these super rich people. What do they do differently? All right, let's get into that. Or this is what I'm doing. What should I be doing differently? Which is a lot of times the same question. So it, it is the same question. And then the exposure piece of it is something that most people don't have, right? Because I know one billionaire, right? So to work intimately with five billionaire families is a different level of access. It's something that is a game changer because in concept, you will be able to implement that stuff in your own life. But let's go back to the TED Talk. You, you said thriving instead of surviving? Surviving ain't thriving. And that is what is every time somebody writes something. So if you're listening to this or you're watching this, when you send an email, you send a note, you write a post, you you get something prepared to send out, you prepare a speech. I don't care what it is, but you're about to push something out. What do you ask yourself? What What's that one or two or three questions you ask yourself about everything that you do? And where things have shifted dramatically in the last few years is toward, you can't say that, right? It's this whole fear of being canceled. I don't want to alienate anybody. I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. And that's bullshit. I mean, like there's nothing, nothing interesting is, is watered down. And I'm not saying that you should be deliberately difficult or you should go around just crapping on everybody and saying horrible things and trying to offend folks. Though that seems to work for ratings on the news. It's not, you know, I'm not suggesting that, but I'm suggesting that people are so afraid of making mistakes that they're playing not to lose. So I know you played football, but I feel like in marketing, almost everybody is playing prevent defense all the time. How do I, so the first question is, or the people ask is, is this going to offend anybody? And I have to take everything out that might be a little bit offensive to people who are black, people who are white, people who are tall, people who are short, people who are gay, people who are straight, people who are any of the other alphabet soup. Like it's the wrong question. And then the next question people ask, if we go a step, you know, move further on the continuum, it's what can I say that will appeal to everyone? And when I'm teaching marketing and entrepreneurship, I can tell you that if you plan to reach everyone, you will sell to no one. You want to find that specific audience that who are you working for? How do you help them be and be really specific? If it's left-handed lesbian librarians from Liberia, then you know your market. Like there's two of them, you know, and like you'll 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 hit that nail right on the head. But be as specific as you can. And it doesn't have to be Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, ad metrics. You know, like, like my group, I talk to two people predominantly. The one that's my big audience for the things that I get really deeply into are typically middle-aged business owners who are over or they're on. So they're they're overextended, they're overweight, they're overexasperated, they're you know, or they're uninspired, unfulfilled, unhealthy. They just have so many people coming at them for so many different things and they can't separate their money from their business, from their family, and their happiness and health somehow go to hell. And they just have so many things going on. They need somebody who can track how all these things are connected. And the conversation may be about business this hour and 
15 minutes into it, it might shift to personal finances, then it might shift to money. What could I do? What should I do? What should I be thinking about? How do these things affect my other parts of my life? Their lives are so interconnected and so messy as a business owner, especially once you've been successful, that you can't just look at one thing without it affecting something else. Like your life is one giant casserole. So that guy who's the last time I said this to somebody, he, the two guys across the table both raised their hand like, yeah, that's me. My life is, you know, I just have too much going on. I can't get to anything. My to-do list gets longer. Every day when I go to bed, it's longer than when I wake up. I'm spinning my wheels. Like that's, that's my guy, right? Like that person, I mean it gender neutrally, but it is more often men than women, but it's not always the case. Um, that that's one. The other one, the other client is people who are starting a business or trying to get a business who are just stuck and say, I got to get to a whole new level with their financial practice, with their startup, with their whatever. They just need somebody to get them to focus in on what is the one thing that's going to help me go crazy and be innovative. And so, you know, that part is, uh, you know, I just love, I love that side of it. Find the really cool, interesting, the metaphor, the metric, the logo, the symbol, the tagline. I like we usually do that in less than a day, like figure it all out. Who's your target audience? What do you say? How do you say it? Let's get to the bottom of all of that. And I just like solving that puzzle. So, so really those, those are two places I really spend a lot of time. I don't spend a lot of time in a lot of my tools are great for corporate America. It's just not my, I don't spend a lot of time working with big fortune 500 companies. Cause I don't have the patience. Doesn't slow. Mean, I, slow it right. down, baby. Slow it down. as much as, you know, work on all my Christopher Scott slow dance moving, but I can't, it's not going to do me any good. I just can't, so, I can't, I can't, I can't think slowly and I can't, um, I want, I want results fast. I don't want, I'm not a therapist who's looking to fill his 10 o'clock at 10, you know, 10 to 10 50 slot. If we can get something done in two hours, let's be done and not make it any longer than we have to be. So we can move on to the next cool thing. So you're unraveling something that I think is pretty important. And it's this car, this ideology around compartmentalizing isn't real. And so how did you find out that that was the truth instead of what is pontificated by most people of, oh, well, you're at work, so be at work. You're at home, be at home. All these things are different, and none of them actually touch. Just meatloaf and mashed potatoes with no gravy. With no gravy, right. Um, I ran a business for 25 years, and well, a bunch of different ones, actually. But, I mean, I, I, li I lived a business. We brought in a third partner after 15 years or so, and then um, I got divorced. I was broke because the lawyers took all the money. And then my partners kicked me out of a business when I had no when I had no way to defend myself. And you know, the business was probably worth about eight million dollars. And they offered me one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars to go away, which I fought and you know got it up to five six hundred thousand dollars. But that was you know a shred of it was enough to get me through living expenses for a year or two to start my own thing. It certainly wasn't what the company was worth. But that sense of who the hell am I and how pathetic am I? And you know, I went through that terrible time of again getting divorced, not seeing my daughter very much, and losing my company. You're like, all right, well, this all my self worth was tied up in in my business, and I had this horrible sense of failure, and thought, huh, all right, well, that's kind of how this how some of this goes with the entrepreneur. And somewhere along the journey, I started sharing that story as opposed to pretending to be the smartest person or trying to be the smartest or trying to prove that I was the smartest person in the room, which I may or may not have been. I went to be the most vulnerable person in the room, and as I started sharing things that I wasn't happy about or proud of or you know the things that aren't the cool things that show up in your bio when everybody's introducing you as the keynote this guy's done this and he's the number one ted talk in the world and he's written 17 books and sold his company for millions of dollars and yeah all those things are true but the things that are much more relatable 
are the divorce, the getting kicked out of your company, the wondering if you had lost it and if you had any self-worth and tying yourself up your self-worth and what you do as opposed to who you are, you know, that that's all real. And so I think living it and realizing, wow, this is tricky. Um, I think that was a big, a big part of it. And then when I interviewed a bunch of CEOs for the last couple books, clients of mine who were very successful, they all said the same stuff. There's no, there's no lines of demarcation between business and personal wealth, family life and legacy, you know, just all that stuff. The lines are really blurred. And it's almost like watercolor that was painted on the wall on a wet canvas. And there's nothing, you know, it looks like the art behind you, not, not, the, not the art behind me, right? Like you can't. It's running everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's everything spreads everywhere and everything touches everything. And that's, that's just the experience. And so, um, you know, which gets to understanding your audience, whether it's a TED talk or it's identifying your clients. My, our first business was working with doctors. So we got to know everything about doctors. And by the time 10, 15 years were done, I had spoken at 200 medical meetings and other 100 hospitals. I had had 15,000 doctors call my office asking for an appointment. Um, I'd read a dozen books, had been on, had been sponsored by a dozen different pharmaceutical companies. I had spoken around the world. You know, it was, we developed one hell of a niche, really understanding. And I still, to this day, know things about, I mean, I'm a, I'm a venture partner in a venture studio that specializes in health tech. I'm on the board of a medical school and I'm not a doctor. So how the hell am I on a board of a medical school and I'm the personal coach for the dean of the medical school? Like he has me hire him. Like I'm not a doctor. I'm not from that state. I'm not, you know, state just below you. It's, you know, I'm not from there. I never lived there. I have no political aspirations, but they asked and, you know, there's a lot of challenges. So, you know, allowed me to get in there. So, but whatever that's going to be, whatever your audience is, get to know the audience and ask a lot of questions and, uh, you know, make sure that you're hitting them with the things that are important to them. And if you don't know what those things are, you better, better ask. So is it really like time in the seat or is there like a shortcut or a hack to get to the place where you actually understand what people Yeah. Are? Well, some of it is, some, if you're a selfish bastard and you don't care about anybody else, you're going to struggle to sell. Like you might get your, you may be able to impose your will on somebody, but it's going to be, it's going to be tricky. The, the best you can hope for if you're that person is to be, is to be curious. And at, but if you're not that, and you truly are somewhat of a giver, or if you're neutral, ask a lot of questions. The answers come from the questions you ask. And unlike this podcast where I'm doing a lot of talking at about 320 words a minute, which would be hell for anybody trying to transcribe it um, for subtitles, this is the key is is asking questions and paying attention to the answer. So some of it is, I think I ask really good questions, Jerome, because I have sat in the seat a lot and asked a lot of questions and I have an idea. Some of it is natural instinct on what to ask. Some of it is um, is training and experience on what to ask. Maybe some of it's luck. <laughs> Maybe some of it is divine intervention. I tend to ask questions that make people disclose things to me that people in the room who know them really well said, I didn't know that. Or like I wasn't intending on sharing that with you today. And so some of that just comes from maybe it's because the curiosity is real. Maybe it's, you know, again, some things are not, some things might be gifts that, you know, things I didn't develop, they were just given to me for a reason. But, um, you know, it's a combination. I think the more questions you ask, the more you learn and, and don't be, and don't stop when, unlike traditional sales, which is ask until you hear the question, you know how to respond to, and you can close from keep at, I like to keep asking and it's not, I'm not trying to get rid of the sale, but it's, if I ask you, what do you want? And you tell me I need more clients. Okay. Why? So I can collect more revenue. Okay. Why? 
so I can afford this thing, this new studio. Okay, why? You know, so I can record more podcasts. Okay, why? You know, let's get to the why. And then it's, well, so I could work 10 hours a day. Well, do you really want to work 10 hours a day? Is that moving in the right direction or is that not getting you in the right direction? So, you know, by keep getting to the questions, you get to a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting answers. And um, I would ask people just that whole why question and, you know, your dream catchers, you're trying to help people catch their dreams and figure it out. And I would ask the question of everybody, you have a dream, which I hope you know what it is and you can write it down or put it in the comments or whatever that is, or just keep it to yourself. You don't have to share it, um, which if you don't want to share it, that's a different, we can, we can process you a little differently with that. But assuming you, whether you do or you don't, why do you want that dream? What is it going to give you? And then ask the question, are you sure the thing that you are trying to do is going to give you the thing that you want? And so there's nothing worse than dedicating your life to an outcome that doesn't give you the feeling that you want. Because at the end, it's the feeling that matters. It's not the, if you feel miserable or lonely or unsuccessful or whatever it is, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks about you. If you're not there, then wow, like what a, you know, that sucks, you know, to, to win the, you know, win the battle and have it not, the prize isn't anything you want. Like, why'd you, why'd you do that? So I don't think most people are sure that it's what they want. They're guessing and in their guess, they're trying to, they're just taking action towards this thing. Right. And the hope is when they get to the end of the rainbow, there's actually the pot of gold. Somebody told them was there, or there's the peace, serenity and comfort when they get to the top of the corporate ladder or whatever other myth they're following or narrative they've, they've been programmed with. And I think we both have climbed up both of those or found the end of the rainbow found out that, Hey, that's not as true as it was described. But what is What does a person say when they ask that question? Right? Like how, how could they possibly be certain? I guess is where I really want to land this question. Well, there is no certainty in anything other than there's no certainty in the outcome. There's only certainty in the intent or certainty in the, um, in the action that you take. You can be certain and confident in the direction you're going or be intent on going in a certain direction, but there's no confidence in what the outcome will be. But that's where that's where a little bit of faith comes in and a little bit of um, just accepting that you, you can't control all the variables. So, you know, I mean, I was a math major, so I'm not a gambler, but I know how gambling works because I took a, a graduate level class in math in probability and statistics. So I know the odds of all the games, which is also why I don't gamble. But you know, I know that if a dealer has a five and I've got an 11, I'm going to double down because that's absolutely going to be that increases my odds. It doesn't mean I'm going to win. It just is. It's it's the statistically proven better move. But every statistically proven better move does not always end in does not always end in something positive. So on a on a more personal note, I remember having a real difficult time in my first marriage and just had a child. We had a bad marriage before the child. And then it just didn't, having a child didn't make it any better. I can tell you that for sure. But when I was talking to my father, my parents had got divorced when I was say eight and it didn't go so well for me. Um, that when he said, why are you still here? If you're so certain this isn't right for you. And part of my answer was, I don't want to end up like you. Like you're, I was 40 years old. He was set 64. He was alone. He hadn't found that right person. And his response was, which really meant was, was very, um, 
impactful to me was, was I may not have got the result I wanted, but I had to give myself a chance to be happy. And I just wasn't going to be happy with your mom. Like it just, I knew my life would not be what I wanted. So I could have a certain level of certainty in the unhappiness I would have or the blend of happiness and unhappiness, but I I wanted something else. So I gave myself a chance by separating and it was difficult not being around the kids and all the things that went with that, but I gave myself a chance and it didn't work out, but it doesn't mean that I made the wrong decision just because the outcome wasn't what I wanted. And I thought for a guy who didn't share his feelings much, that was, uh, you know, he got comfortable with that because I was in a really tough spot. And so sometimes you make the right decision and you get the wrong, the wrong result, but at least if you know what you're looking for. So just because you have a goal doesn't mean you're going to reach it. But if you know why you're doing it, there are a lot of people, Jerome, who are, who are chasing something for no good reason. I mean, like there's no really great reason other than, well, it's in front of me or guy down the street made that much money or I got a son who's who's taking time off from college and it's, you know, he said he's going to go back and finish. Great. But if he doesn't want to finish and he wants to be a scuba instructor and he wants to live in Aruba or St. Croix for the rest of his life, if that would make him happy, then I would be very happy for him. Right. If you could find the thing that you, if there's something you love and it's right in front of you is the simpler it is, the easier your life will be. If you knew that every day doing an hour of yoga or an hour of meditation or doing an hour of bird watching or an hour of walking your dog or playing catch with your dog or if there's something that makes you happy, man, you should do that. Because I spend a lot of time with really successful people who have accomplished major things who are unhappy. Very like they unhappy. did the really hard thing and everybody thinks the world of them. But at the end of the day, whether, you know, we all chase demons. My dad was a pro baseball player. So no matter what I did, nothing that I do, the most interesting thing about me is nothing about me. It's the fact that he played baseball and he was really good. <laughs> so like that, you know, to this day, like I can't, he's been dead three or four years. I can't, you know, I can't live up to that. And so the, um, there's a lot of people who they get to a certain place and whatever they've done means a lot to somebody, but if it doesn't, but if you did it because you wanted your parents to love you, or you did it because you were driven because you got bullied as a kid, making a hundred million dollars at age 60, isn't going to change the fact that you get your ass kicked every day in school from fifth through ninth grade. Like it's not going to take away the beating and it's not going to take away the memory of the beating. You might think it is, but it's not. And go ahead. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to jump on it, right? So this concept, this idea that you can do all of the things that you're supposed to do and still end up unhappy seems like blasphemy, especially if you're early, right? If you're early on the journey, anybody telling you that you could do everything that you want to do and still be unfulfilled, still be unhappy, it, it's crushing for them. Is it? You're saying. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you happy. one word. I'll tell you one worse, which is balance is bullshit. Anybody who oh. tells you you can have balance in life is full of shit because there is no balance in life. Now I will tell you with a hundred percent certainty, there is no balance. And there certainly is not balance in your day, probably not in your week or month. You might see balance in your year. And that is the, that is the biggest takeaway from the go wild book. We were talking about you and I were talking about offline that I just wrote, which is if we simplify life to five things, health, finances, career, relationships, and fun. Let's just leave it at that. There's spirituality and philanthropy and other things. But if we keep it to five, health, finances, career, relationships, fun. And career can be defined as purpose. It's what you do, whatever that is. So you could be a mom, you could be you know, a priest, you could be, you don't, it's not about money. It's about what you do. What is your vocation? Um, that with those five things, 
you can't, there's nothing you can do that will improve all five areas of your life at once. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. I challenge you, find it. I mean, everything, some things that are healthy are really expensive. I don't know the thing that's healthy for you and good for your career, and it makes you money, and it's fun, and it's good for all the relationships in your life. Because if you're doing all those things, you're probably away from home and away from your kids and doing other things. So you're not helping that out. Sometimes you go out and do, you know, and so a big takeaway with this balance is BS is to do anything well, you're going to have to put some time in. It's really hard. You have to be pretty arrogant to think that you can half-ass something and be extraordinary, right? Like find that thing, right? If you half-ass your relationship, I guarantee she'll notice. Like there's there's no mailing it in. Like you either you're either present or you're not, and you'll be called out. I know you particularly from our breakfast this weekend. I know you'll get called out if you're not there. And so so we have this idea, you know, you have to be there. And then to make a lot of money, you might. <laughs> Things that that things that will make you money are going to take time. It's going to be time away from you being healthy, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. It's going to take some things that aren't all that fun that you have to do. But everything is a trade-off. And so this earlier we talked about the surviving ain't thriving, which is my kid's big fear is being is being canceled. So they're so afraid of being canceled, which is horrible. But they also have this horrible fear of missing out. And so what a horrible life that you're afraid of misstepping. So everything is gingerly, you know, like if you, it's like you're going to sack the quarterback, but there's landmines. So like how fast do you get in there if you got to watch every step and take your time? And so that's, the kids are afraid of being canceled, but at the same time, they're always looking what everybody else is doing. And there's this fear of missing out, but to go with the balance is bullshit line. You can never do everything. Everything you do in life is a sacrifice and everything you're doing, you could be doing something else. So you're watching or listening to this podcast. You could be exercising. You could be having a deep conversation with your mother, your spouse, your significant other, your kids, your friend, whatever it is. You could be taking a nap. You could be meditating. You could be watching a ball game. You could be participating in a game. You could be swimming. You could be watching a million other things or listening to a million other things. You you will run out of time. You can't do it all. So the two best takeaways from the Go Wild book assessment, which we're going to give everybody for free if they stick around and listen for the code. Um, The two big things are you can't do everything. So be present in the things that you do do. Really helpful because you can't get to all of it. And the second thing is everything you do is a trade-off for something else. So for me, if I went out at night and I was out late, I'd get up in the morning and be like, oh, you fat ass, you went out and you had pizza and beer and you got up late and you didn't go to the gym. And I would always beat myself up for the things I didn't do. And it wasn't until I started doing a lot of work with Jack Canfield, who did Chicken Soup for the Soul, and he and I were working together on a project. So I volunteered, well, I paid and went through some of his advanced courses because I wanted to, if we we're going to work on something together, I wanted to know how all of his stuff worked. So 
I went through it and I got to this point where I started just focusing on the things that I did accomplish in a day and not focus on the things that I didn't do. And it's amazing how much better you feel when you go to bed thinking about the three, six, 26 things you did versus focusing on the four things you didn't. There's nothing, you, know, you go to bed hating yourself, like good luck the next day. You, know, you got to dig yourself out of a, out of a hole, right? So the, the idea that you can't do it all and everything you do is a trade-off, once you realize you can't do it all, I'm okay with the fact that I'm having this conversation with you and I'm not, I'm not working out. I'm not having a different, you know, there's things I'm doing, things I'm not doing, but that's always the case. And so health, finances, relationship, career, fun, you try to find some mix of those things and realize that some years you have a lot of fun, but you're not really healthy. Or some years you make a lot of money and maybe you advanced your career, but maybe your relationship suffered or maybe you didn't have a lot of fun or maybe, you know, something was just not ideal. And so you can do all the right things, but then what happens when your dad gets diagnosed with cancer? What happens when your dog dies? What happens when your wife tears her Achilles? What happens when your kid gets bullied in school and now you got, you know, and like things just happen in life that, that take your attention away from whatever your plan was. And you have to go put a lot of time into that thing because it's important, right? If you're, I can't, I can't deal with my mom's cancer or my dad's cancer by saying, well, I'll think about that and worry about it for about three hours today, but then I'm going to go work on myself. Good luck with that. Like there's just, it's just very hard that compartmentalization, unless you're, you know, if you're a Navy SEAL commander, maybe you've got that compartmentalization down. But if you're not that special forces person who can, you know, go blow some shit up and then come back and hug your kid and not have any, you know, like unless you have that real special gene, it's super hard, like super difficult, if not, if not impossible. Where did this narrative around balance come from? Do you know when it got popular and why it got popular? I've never dug down to the root of that. I'd be guessing, but I could make up a story that I think a lot of people would believe. Um, you know, <laughs> I think the whole, it's got, I mean, balance in life is definitely, a, well, it's definitely been in the last 25 years because our parents didn't think about balance. They'd go work and work their asses off. Like there was no, there was no, I mean, this, this generation is definitely taking it to a whole new level. You know, they took the they took the baton and just ran with it, but with balance. But it's you know, I don't know. Somewhere in there, it just became, hey, how about you be you have some balance. You need to be healthy and not just work. You know, the live to work, work to live mentality. I would say somewhere in the last twenty five years. But the definition of balance and how many different things go into it that's the part that's you know that's super tricky. You just I guess maybe maybe balance isn't imp isn't impossible. It's impossible to have balance and to do anything of any particular value. If you want to be mediocre at everything, if you want to have crappy relationships and make a little bit of money and have a crap, you know, and have a stinky job and, you know, just be mildly overweight and, you know, not do anything really well, I, you probably could pull that off. But assuming nobody aspires to be boringly mediocre in all aspects of their life, I would, you know, I think it's impossible. So let's go there, right? Because a lot of people want to be a jack of all trades and don't particularly care to have mastery in any of the things that they're doing is that a thing like is that a way to well who are you talking about like who I, in, give me an example i have i have a, i mean i i will confess to say i have business interests all over the place and i hear all the time why can't you know if you could just focus on one thing yeah then i wouldn't be me like i'd be you know i would be yeah i might be really successful not might be i guess i would be very successful at that one thing but i want to put a gun in my mouth you know that's it's just not who i am i like new things i like creativity i'm I have a venture studio, plus I'm a partner in a fintech company, plus I've got my financial firm and I have, I do writing in books and I, you know, I'm involved, I, I advise a bunch of startups and a bunch of nonprofits and I, I like it that way. 
But what was interesting, though, early on is you said you're a financial fixer. So there's a thing. Am I wrong? I do a few things. I'm, I'm, yeah, that's as far as financial advance, like financial planning for really rich people. I don't think there's anybody better in the country. I don't find it particularly exciting or fun. It's financially rewarding. And I, I put up with it so I can meet interesting people because the people who made a lot of money who have big financial problems have done interesting things. So they become interesting people that I meet people and I figure out how their business work and what did they do? And I find that much more interesting than moving the pieces around to save millions of dollars in taxes or whatever it is. That's, that's easy. I just have a gift for that. And I'm, I'm really, really good at it. Otherwise I wouldn't be sought out by such wealthy people. And I work for myself. So it's me versus all these big firms and I'm better than all of them, but it's maybe it's because I'm not part of a big firm because I'm not worried about what I can do or can't do, but it's all a gift. It's not, I mean, I worked at it. I have, I have more than 10,000 hours into it, but it's, um, I guess I am, it is a thing to be somebody who solves financial problems, but how do you do it in a way that you're happy? Like for me, it was, a. I was trying to get away from it. Like it was a sentence for years, if not a decade. And now it's, I use it to get in front of people I want to interact with the business owner. So the, let's, let's go there. Right. So Let's talk about the five billionaire families or the hundred or centimillionaires or whatever you want to call them. Did they have a thing or were they all yeah. over the place from the beginning? Uh, yes and yes. So um, they usually come to me with some particular problem in mind that either I've solved for something, something similar for somebody they know or for an advisor that they have, or um, sometimes they read a book or they, you know, I've had them come from all kinds of interesting angles. There's usually a problem that they come to me for help with, but it it quickly, like the watercolors we talked about earlier, it leaks into and touches so many other things. So probably the reason why in the financial world, you have legal structures, you have insurance products, you have investment products, you have financial strategies. There's only so many lines on a tax return boxes where you can put things. I didn't invent anything. Well, I did invent one strategy, but most of the things that I do are things that other people could do, but some of it is the unique combination of things. What's probably the biggest reason for my success is that the people believe that I understand them because I ask questions that go way outside of the gymnastics or the technical aspects of the thing that they're interested in so that it becomes, wow, you figured out this tax problem for leaving money for our kids, but you've also helped us put a structure together that will protect the kids from divorce, will inspire the kids and make them work so they don't just get money and put it up their nose and become lazy. You figured out other things with your Beyond Wealth program. You've got us doing family mission statements and putting on paper how we created our money and what's important to us and what values are important to our family. So there's things that we can leave behind that are written and tangible that will guide the family. And again, they're all things that some would say are a pain in the ass and there are hurdles to getting to the sale of the product of whatever they need, but they're important things. And so that holistic view and willingness to, um, the willingness to recommend things that I don't make money on is really unusual in today's world. You talked about Jerome, the super subspecialization of everybody compartmentalizes and I do this and you do, if you have somebody doing your social media and somebody else is doing your marketing and somebody's doing your email and somebody's doing your branding and somebody's doing this, you know what I know? I know you're really unsuccessful and you're paying way too much money. If you have people working in different, if you have people working in different 
things in different categories, and they're not interacting to make sure that messaging is consistent across everything and that you're not getting the points across, it, it takes time and money. And when I recommend something that's a legal strategy and it, and I don't get paid on it, I potentially take the liability for the recommendation, but I don't make any money on the implementation. That's something people would say is too much risk and they wouldn't do. And certainly the big firms take that position where they won't recommend anything that they don't do. Yeah. So as a result, they like it when somebody's willing to, you know, I, I border, I border on giving legal advice without being an attorney a lot. He's like, you should do this. And here's some people who can do it. But a lot of people wouldn't do that because of this whole surviving thing. They don't want to make a mistake versus, wow, this is the thing that this is the problem the person wants handled. And you're, you're not giving the client the best advice possible because you're in self-preservation mode, which can, yeah. like brings this thing full circle and kind of puts a bow on it. The ability to know a lot about a lot of things, right? Not just a little, or I guess you could know a little about a lot of things. As long as you could connect the dots and actually make it so that these things are connective, then you have the opportunity to be somebody who really can have a true impact on people's experience. For the people who only know a lot about one small thing and have no understanding of the interconnectivity, back to compartmentalizing your meatloaf and mashed potatoes with no gravy, you're stuck in, with a hammer, right? And if it's not an L, you can't do anything with it versus the multi-tool or the Swiss Army knife where you're able to move about and solve multiple problems for people given fragmented pieces of information and then the ability to extrapolate the other parts and pieces you need to come to a creative solution is what the people with really complex problems need. And so if you're going to productize, if you're going to do something that is done redundantly, uh, you might not need to be a jack of all trades. But the moment that you want to do something that isn't cookie cutter, and it sounds like the things that you've been chasing, you know, experience, excitement, uh, challenge, that's when you need a, a wide array of skill sets. And I, I may be mis no, I think, I, no, I, th I think you're right. I, no, I think it's, it is definitely valuable to be good at something. So I majored in math and then I went into, I worked as an actuary and there's just very few people. If you tell somebody you majored in math, I don't know what, do you, if you're listening to this, what do you think about somebody who majored in math? I'm going to guess the first thing you think, I'm going to guess you didn't think that I'm an idiot if I majored in math. Right? Like that's generally speaking, if you majored in math, the first thing that people would say is you must be relatively smart. They probably also think that I have no personality and I can't talk to anybody, which generally speaking is probably not a bad guess. Um, I have an MBA in finance and entrepreneurship. Okay. And then I've written books and you're thinking that can't be the same guy. It must've been math textbooks, but, and they weren't, but the having a skill that differentiates you is super valuable. So you can at least get into conversations and talk to somebody. If you are a jack of all trades and you're 27 years old, no one's going to hire you. I mean, unless maybe it's an 18 year old, but how many 18 year olds have enough money to make it worth being hired by them? So you have to become valuable to somebody. It's usually by what you know, who you know, or something else. So developing a skill in something, you know, I would hire somebody who's 21. If, if I were hiring that person to translate my book to Spanish and they spoke Spanish and knew the content, that would be, I don't care about the age. Right? That's, you know, something that I, my Spanish is terrible. So I can order food and drinks and things, but it's not, I'm not having a business conversation and I'm certainly not, you know, I'm certainly not going to translate a book. So, you know, a children's book, maybe, but the, um, but nothing any adult would want to read. So 
be, you have to have a skill, which I think is useful. And then really get to know, be curious about something, have something that differentiates you, that gets you in the room when you're young, and then pay attention, really pay attention, ask a lot of questions, find good mentors, um, get to know your client base as well as you can. And think about the job that you have or the last time you were hired by somebody else and you went in, what, what are the first two things that you, that every company has when they hire you? The first, you know, as far as I know, the two big things that happen are you get the HR conversation with sensitivity training and all the things you can and can't say and all that other good stuff. So it's all the don't make a mistake. So let's, let's tell you all the ways you can't interact with people and all the HR stuff. And then the second thing they get you into is product training. Let's learn about this microphone. Let's learn about this headset. Let's learn about this chair. Let's learn about this the tile. Let's learn about the plumbing supplies. Let's learn about the software. Let's learn about the mutual fund. Let's learn about the, it's all the product. Who gives a shit? Like everybody in the firm knows how the products work. Like how about teaching you how to interact with the customer? Nobody's doing that. Like, how do you know the person you want to work with? So I'm suggesting that people that I've worked with don't care about the products at all because I don't pay any attention to how the products work. I don't really, it's just not that people generally don't care. It's not, it's not the product they want. It's the feature. It's the experience. It's the whatever. And if you understand them, if you understand them, if you spend the time getting to know your customer and asking questions and knowing what's important to them and why, then they will assume that your recommendation will include the things that they shared with you. And if it doesn't, shame on you. But you can then go back to the people at the customer, the factory, the house, the warehouse, the wirehouse, the whatever, home office, headquarters, you name it, and say, I got a client who wants this. What do you recommend? And if they trust you, if they believe that you're competent enough to do the work or your company is, and they trust that you understood the things that were important to them, they'll trust your recommendation. But to go in there and just vomit all over them with 4K, 8K, 28K, like, believe it or not, people, when I bought my first razor to shave with, it had one blade, just one, not two blades, not three blades, not five blades, not seven blades. You know, like that was, that was it. Like, you know, it just, you just didn't get to this. Who knew you needed seven blades? I, I use one still. So you, you, you tease the audience. And you have a beard too. Says, For anybody who's listening on the podcast, the funny part is he has a beard. So I'm not sure what he's doing with that one blade. But that's <laughs> oh, man. All right. So the, uh, you tease the audience with a code for them to get a free yes. thing. Tell them about that. Yeah. So I built, when I was doing all my, all my training for business owners, one of the things that I teach people when I'm teaching them to be a giraffe, which is stick your neck out, be different be seen, see different paths, elevate, evolve, all that good stuff that when you look me up, you'll find. A big part of that is being curious. And you need to un- you need to understand two things to be a great business owner. You need to understand your potential customer and you need to understand the people who work for you because every business is built around people. And the more you understand people, what they want, what they need, what's important to them, what they have in their life, what they don't have in their life, what they want to have in their life, the better it is the better prepared you will be to help them reach their goals or equip them or inspire them or uh, lead them, whatever that might be. And so I couldn't find a test or a tool that I liked enough. So I built one over the last three years called the wild factor and the wild factor measures your life. It takes four minutes. So chrisjarvis.me slash wild factor. I'm sure Jerome will put it in the notes so you can just click the link. It's 20 bucks, but if you use the, if you use the code dream, it's free. So we'll just build your own for all of that. But the um, everybody gets everybody gets it for free with the code DREAM. And when you take this four-minute test, it's going to give you 20 questions. You answer it. It will give you a score on all five areas of your life, health, finances, career, relationships, fun. So you have a number to work from. 
it will then tell you what your what your inner animal is. Are you an eagle? Are you an elephant? Are you a penguin, a monkey, a dolphin? And if you want to know what those mean and what they match, you'll have to take the quiz to find out. But are you an eagle, an elephant, a penguin, a monkey, a dolphin? And then how do you use those skills or those particular things about those five animals to leverage your greatest strength to improve other areas of your life? There'll be there'll be a 15 to 20 page customized PDF based on your answers that you'll be emailed, which will tell you what you are, how to leverage your strength, common mistakes and pitfalls for people who have the same strength you have. So you're not you know, not doing a little too much of something and holding back other areas of your life and how to improve the lowest area of your life. So all of that is free for you. Um, I spent two or three years and probably probably 1500 hours and maybe another couple hundred thousand dollars of outside of my own money to, to other people to help put this together. So um, it's, it's very cool and it's all about you. So there's nothing there, um, but to help you get some awareness and some, some measuring of your life in those five areas and teach you how to leverage your own natural ability, natural strength, natural tendencies um, toward money, career, health, relationships, fun to improve other areas of your life. So that's the, that's been my fun give back project for the last couple of years. I've had four or 5,000 people take it. It's been, it's been really cool and it's about to get pushed out by a bunch of influencers. So my guess is, and my goal is to have a million people take it in the next six months. So we'll, um, we'll see what we learn about people and how we can help, um, you know, tweak this and make it even better. Wow. And you mentioned a course as well. What's going on with that? Yeah. So there's the find your wild factor quiz. Then there's the go wild book. And then if people who want to go further with that, there's the uncaged course, which the uncaged course, uh, if you sign up for the wild factor, I think we send you an email telling you where the course is. If you want to preview the course, take the first couple lessons, but that's video lessons from me in a very cool studio that they built uh, in Atlanta. And uh, yeah, we just, just help people work through some of those issues if they'd rather, some people like the reading and they want to do it themselves. Some people, you can just tell them they have a an issue and they realize right away and they get to it. But other folks need, you know, need a little help. So this is, there's probably a hundred, 200 different lessons, but you just take the ones that matter for you based on your specific situation. And all the videos are between two and eight minutes long. So they're meant to be very quick, thought provoking, unlike the rambling I've been doing on this particular podcast. These are all quick, quick, hopefully relatively impactful and thought provoking videos, which then have worksheets, lessons, things for you to work on to help you with those areas of your life. Wow. That sounds like a phenomenal opportunity. Guys, jump over and, and grab it. The link is in the show notes. And I think it's super beneficial. And if you can get it at no fee, um, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Get access to this phenomenal content that's been a significant investment of time and money on Chris's part. So, Chris, I just want to thank you for being so generous with your time and hooking up the listeners with some goodies, man. It's always good to get something after listening to an episode with a great guest. Well, when you have that great guest, let me know. I'll tune in. <laughs> but I'm ha <laughs> I'm happy to handle the front end of that. With no, it's uh, it's been an honor, and I I do I appreciate people who are out there motivating people like you who are out there motivating and inspiring people to get out there, but also giving them real advice because it's not, it's not easy to get super successful. And it's, uh, there's a lot of people just telling folks to get excited and put it all into whatever they want and they'll get it. And it's not, it's just not that easy. And so work like that. if I can, if I can help people maybe get there a little faster or help them help folks get to that, 
level of success they've been looking for without the baggage of a lot of misery and pain. Um, that's really the, again, what a shame to give your whole life to something and be like, oh shit, this isn't what I wanted, or this isn't how I wanted it. So if we can get people on the right track early with this wild factor, so they find the right amount of, uh, you know, the right blend, the right recipe for them. So they don't uh, chase the wrong thing for the right reason. That's the, you know, at least that, that's, that's my push for now. Beautiful. To the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.